Hi, I'm C. Northington Purdy, and this is Starting Your Teaching Career. When you apply for your position, you will be expected to understand and teach students who have learning disabilities, even if you don't have a certificate to teach children with exceptionalities, you'll be expected to understand what they need and how to deliver it in the classroom through your lesson plans and assignments. So how can you do that if you don't have the training? Well, we're going to start this episode with learning disabilities, specific learning disabilities, um, according to the federal government. And we'll talk about what they are, the definition of learning disabled, and some of the things you should bear in mind when they are in your class. So let's get started. What is a learning disability? All right, I'm going to read from the uh, federal government's website, the definition of learning disabilities, and I'll explain it. It's um, www.ed.gov, G-O-V, and it's the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, and people abbreviate that as I-D-E-A, all right? From that, I'm reading the statute regulations and these are the main regulations part b subpart a section 300.8 okay this is the general definition of a specific learning disability that you will find abbreviated as s l d specific learning disability it means a disorder in one or more of the basic psychological processes involved in understanding or in using language, spoken or written, that may manifest itself in the imperfect ability to listen, think, speak, write, spell, or do mathematical calculations including conditions such as perceptual disabilities, brain injury, minimal brain dysfunction, dyslexia, and developmental aphasia. The next, I'm not going to read the next paragraph, but I will summarize, okay? It does not include learning problems that are the result of, okay, visual or hearing or motor disabilities, economic disadvantage, cultural disadvantage, or environmental disadvantage. So you cannot assume that a student who, let's say, is in a wheelchair because they are quadriplegic automatically is going to have a learning disability because that's just not, it's not a proper assumption. A a blind student is not necessarily learning disabled. They might just be blind. So what they're saying is, you know, one does not preclude the other. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, to, to, to clarify this, first of all, a person with a specific learning disability is of average intelligence. Okay. Of average intelligence, meaning that if they took an IQ test with high reliability, their IQ would fall between 85 and 115 which is normal for for the average person. So in order to even qualify for specific learning disability classification, the student has to be of normal IQ, okay, of average IQ. 
Uh, one misconception that non-special education teachers have is that students who have the uh, specific learning disability uh, classification are automatically less smart than students who don't, and that's just not true. They just have some uh, a block in one area, one or two areas that, that stop them from understanding the material. There are three things that, uh, basic things that students with a specific learning disability really need from you, the regular education teacher and the special ed teacher, if you're listening. Number one, directions. There's a big problem with understanding what to do. As a teacher myself, I find it frustrating when I spend time going over the the instructions to an assignment, um, explaining exactly what to do. Show I show uh, I'm visual, so I I show a lot of visuals. Here's what's not to do. Here's what to do, etc. And then someone raises their hand and they say, "Yeah, but what am I supposed to do?" <laughs> you know, it's a, directions are important. That's number one, and I'll talk more about that later. Organization. We find that these students have some uh, outstanding challenge with challenges with organization. We'll talk about that. And finally, study skills. We, again, most people, they go to school, the teacher offers an assessment, and the student studies for it and takes it takes the test they know how to study for it that's the assumption that a child will learn or know automatically how to study for things it's not true so study skills need to be taught to these students so these are these are our three things we're going to start with directions coming up Just clarify another thing about students with specific learning disabilities. This is the most popular classification that you will see in public schools across the United States of America. If you have a class in which students are mainstreamed um, or a mixed class where there's no uh, paraprofessional or special education teacher in the room, you will have most of your students will be either regular education or specific learning disability. Okay. Why are they in that class? Why are they in your class? Because they can handle the material. They just need help with specific things that are very clear and and can be explained easily. Number one, directions. Okay. As an adult writing directions we assume that people will understand us because it makes sense to us but as an adult writing directions for a child we have to consider the direction words and it's a good it's a good idea to look up um, a database of direction words and that way we can use them carefully and we can have um, a variety of ways to ask for what we want Okay, so if you give an assignment um, that that the students have to do in class, the directions need to appear in multiple places and and in multiple ways. For example, you might have them on the whiteboard. 
um, you might repeat them or summarize them on a graphic organizer that you give to everyone. You might say the directions or read them several times. You might call on a few students to summarize the directions so that they'll know exactly what to do. These are uh, these are just some of the ways that uh, the directions can be presented in a way that will help students uh, understand what you're saying. They should also, I find it's helpful when the directions are presented sequentially. For example, when you're when you have an essay question, let's say you um, you're asked to describe, I don't know, the War of 1812 and um, how it might have been different had it happened uh, in 2012, 2012. <laughs> okay, first of all, number one. Talk about the War of 1812. That's number one. Number two, think about 2012. How would it have? How would the variables been different? What about the people? Would they have been able to do what they did then? Now, would they get away with it? Would the laws allow? Three, write a conclusion that pulls it all together. So I'm, what I'm saying is a paragraph of directions isn't cohesive and and clear for everyone. Students with learning disability might need for you to break that up into little, into bite-sized pieces, let's say. Okay. Uh, I find as a supervisor of student teachers, I see teachers get very, very frustrated with students with, with learning disabilities because they keep asking the same question over and over again. The teacher explains the assignment or they explain things till they're blue in the face and the kid's still saying, I don't get it. I don't, you know, try to take a deep breath and remember that they, the kid, the students have a right to understand the material and that even though you've explained it several times over and over and over again, doesn't mean that they understand it because you've explained it. You've exhausted all of your direction words and all. You really do need to consider that perhaps another student should explain the directions or maybe the directions need to be presented visually. I I find I'm some people and I'm, I'm one of them, I'm the person that if I buy something that needs to be assembled, all I need to do is look at the pictures. I don't even need to read the words. Some people process that way. Okay. Consider that as you plan your, your lesson plans for your learning disabled students. The second um, thing that, uh, learning disabled students need from you is organizational abilities, organizational strategies, organizational helps. Okay. What do I mean by that? I mean that you'll need to go above and beyond what you would normally do in order to make sure that, for example, students know what the homework is each and every day, that they know uh, what the, the due dates of um, special assignments, the dates that you will have quizzes, the dates that you're going to have tests or assessments, those things need to be 
really overemphasized. How can you do that? Well, in this age of the internet, we've got lots of ways. Uh, you can, I mean, years ago, you can, if you, if you're low tech and you really don't like using the internet, <laughs> good luck. Um, you can give out those, those little assignment books that they sell at the dollar store. Um, and they can write down their assignment and you can make it part of your lesson. Everybody write down the assignment, copy it from the board. If you have it on your whiteboard and you can, they can copy it from there. You can say it or maybe read it aloud as they copy. So they're getting it, hearing it and they're getting it, seeing it. Or, uh, if you do have a, uh, um, a, a website, perhaps a classroom website. That's a good thing because then you can post your homework for the week there and direct your students in class to the fact that the homework is posted. And that's very handy, not only for students, but for parents. When we ask, do you have homework? What is your homework? Um, and if there's no answer, the parents can go on the website and find the homework and remind the, your students. So it's a win-win, actually. In this age of tech, which is great, there are apps that teachers can use so that they can text message parents, let, reminding them of um, key dates and, and deadlines. For example, Google Classroom has uh, a very comprehensive system for teachers so that parents can be text messaged without the teacher's personal phone number um, coming through as, as a text message. So it's private for you and informative for them. Um, and again, if you're, if you're teaching older children, they've got a phone anyway, and that text could go directly to their, their student's phone. Um, as I said, a class website, uh, via email, if you, if you're comfortable with that, you can send the homework assignment as a reminder via email once a week, perhaps, or, or different reminders. But for, for students with learning disabilities, you're, they're, they're going to need all these multimodal reminders. Okay. And it's not, it's not because they're lazy and it's not because they don't care. It's because this is a deficit. Some people need to be reminded to do things over and over again. Does that mean that they're less intelligent? No. Some of you are like that when it comes to other things other than academic. So understand the need, understanding the need can help you meet the need. Okay. Um, you'll, you might want to consider a daily inventory of supplies. So for example, just making sure that the student with the learning disability has um, the necessary uh, hardware. Um, if that's part of your lesson, do they have a Google? Do they have a, a laptop? Do they have a pen? Do they have a notebook? You know, making sure that they have everything they need to be successful each day in class. And so maybe that might be something on on the wall or on the board, or just as a reminder. Or maybe you can have students pair up. And just check to make sure your partner has everything that they need for the for the lesson. And that that's a few seconds. So between between um, visual reminders, um, organizational helps, and oral, where you're 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 remind, reminding students by saying things, and written reminders, technology. 
you've got a lot of different options and one of them is going to meet the specific need of the student in your class who has the learning disability. Organization. They need help with it and it's one of the reasons why they have the classification. Number three, what students with learning disabilities need. Number three, study skills. I'll let you in on a secret. I did not learn how to study until I was an undergraduate in college. Nobody bothered to, no teacher said, okay, here's how you study for this test. Here's what you need to do. They just didn't do that um, when I was growing up. It is very, very helpful to learning disabled students when we tell them before an assessment how to study for the assessment that we're about to give. It's not um, realistic to assume that they'll figure it out. A lot of kids do figure it out, obviously, but not everybody. How do you study? So, um, for example, if you're giving um, a vocabulary-based test, all right, you say, yes, well, you know, you've got X number of vocabulary words that you'll need to learn and use for your test tomorrow. That might mandate flashcards. And I, they can be uh, index cards that you get from the dollar store, or they can be uh, online flashcards. That, that um, there, there are many flashcard apps that you can download for free onto your phone and create. And students can create their own flashcards with their phone since they have their phone in their hand all the time anyway. So they can create decks, whole decks of flashcards. And that'll take care of the midterm and final exams. <laughs> but vocabulary, dates that they have to remember, people's names, things like that lend themselves to to the flashcard app. It's an app and they can study anytime. And some of them speak the word. Some of them, when you type them in, they will, they give uh, uh, spoken reminders of the, uh, of the terminology and words. Now, let's say it's an essay exam or something in which higher level thinking is, is required. That lends itself to oral storytelling or oral recall in which students can work in pairs and talk to each other about the material covered that's going to be covered on the exam. Uh, sequentially, they can map out, they can make spider maps uh, uh, that I guess would translate to a flow chart kind of thing where everything is connected and related and they can just map it out so that it, things are, your variables are connected in, in a uh, cohesive way. Review sheets are helpful for some students. You'll see that uh, in public schools, sometimes um, students who have the learning disability are given review sheets with key terms and, and ideas and formulas on them. Um, and yes, you will, with the uh, regular education students, will say that's not fair. They get the review sheet. Why don't we get it, etc.? You've got a choice there. You can either keep it separate or you can just give everybody the review sheet. It has been my experience that if you give everybody the review sheet, it doesn't change the grade really. 
<laughs> it does not make it easier for anyone. If you don't know the material, you're not going to pass no matter what you have. So um, consider that. Consider that. With, with your, your learning disabled students, it makes it a lot more concrete. The review sheet could be on the website. If you'd rather not use paper, I applaud you. Um, finally, with, with study skills, it's important to teach them the, the difference between actual reading okay skimming and scanning all right when you're taking an exam you really do need to read every word of the exam the directions the um the examples everything that you're supposed to do you re- you need to read every word some things for example if they if they have um a book of um of let's say uh, biological classifications. If you're just looking for m- um, mammals, you can scan <laughs> for the word mammalia, or you can skim all of the different classifications, reading maybe one or two sentences a piece, you know, until you get where you need to be. But but the whole idea of reading strategies like that. And that's just a few of them need to be taught to a learning disabled student. It's not going to come naturally. Some kids, you just say, um, find the word mammalia in in that book. And they'll be, oh, okay. That's not going to come natural to everybody. And that's the point I'm making. We assume that if a person knows how to read, they can figure, figure anything out. And that's not true. There's a time when intense reading and concentration are required, and there's a time when you just need to get to the information quickly, or there's a time when you just need the, the big picture. And that's why these, these skills are so useful. I uh, would like to just conclude this section by, by saying that these students have a right to expect you to answer every question, even if it and, and, and this, this will work nicely for a lot of people. I've done this. Even if that student asks so many questions that you can't answer them um, and teach your lesson at the same time. What do you do with that? Well, I've what I like to do, and I still do it teaching on the college level. Um, you can you can designate a certain number of questions that the student can ask. And after that, they have to write them down. You know, so I just kind of walk over while I'm teaching and I don't have to, I don't have to say anything. I just hand them a a few post-it notes and just stick it on their desk and keep on going and they can write their questions down and I'll answer them later. All right. But they, the fact that they're questioning what to do or they're questioning the assignment doesn't mean that they're questioning your ability or your teaching skills or they're, it's, it's really, for some people I am discovering, it's difficult not to take it personally, but you mustn't take it personally. They're asking questions because they need to know and because they don't understand. According to the National Center for Education Statistics.ed.gov, which is our federal government's um, statistical website, of the students who have an IDEA classification, 85% of them are specific, have specific learning disability. 
um, issues. So what is the specific learning disability? Well, it might be that the student has um, difficulty reading and, and comprehending reading, or this might be a student who has difficulty um, sorting out numbers or understanding numbers or, or um, perceiving numbers. Um, a student might have difficulty with organization. A student might have difficulty reading the directions and understanding them, etc. The specific learning disability is what they have difficulty with. So you might have two learning disabled students in your class and one of them has great study skills, but they can't find their pencil um, <laughs> even if you've given, given it to them six times during class period. You know, So I mean, one of them might have organizational problems, the other doesn't specific learning disability. It really narrows it down nicely. Okay, um, will these students provide, uh, not provide, but will they cause classroom management and behavior problems? Well, my answer is pretty much any student can cause um, difficulty in your class. Why would a, a student with a specific learning disability cause uh, difficulty in the class? Well, frustration leads to aggression. If I'm sitting in a class and and I'm sure many of you who are listening, you've been in this situation where you're sitting in class and the teacher is talking about something, the professor is talking about something, and you don't have a clue of what they're talking about. Think back. I have been in many situations in which the professor was talking and I was so clueless that I did not even know what to ask. <laughs> you ever been that clueless? You ever been that stumped by what the professor is saying that you don't even know? I, I, don't, I wouldn't raise my hand because I wouldn't know what to even ask, number one. Number two, that feeling is embarrassing because you're looking around the room and you're thinking, wow, everybody else seems to be you know, into this and they get it and that's going to make me look like a real dope. So I'm not going to raise my hand. Now, add to that a long history of not understanding things that happen in school. Frustration leads to aggression. Okay? Maybe they will decide to disrupt the class because, darn it, I don't understand what she's saying and, and forget it. This class, ah, it, it sucks. <laughs> But that's that's the mindset. You got to, you know, you remember that you're you're dealing with a person who's got the mindset of a 10, 11, 12, 13 year old. So do they do students who have learning disabilities? Will they act up? Maybe. But you can minimize that a lot by being very specific about what needs need to be met. I will speak more about um, IDEA classifications for the new teacher in uh, subsequent episodes because I think it's important. We no longer have the choice of working regular ed versus special education because more and more students are being mainstreamed into the public schools and um, we're all one big family now, which means that as a family, we gotta pass the plate to everyone and meet everyone's needs. I hope you found something in this episode that was useful. I hope that you will message me um, at the bottom. Your support is welcomed. Um, that can be support by telling a friend. Your support can be by um, financial donation to the podcast so that I can bring in more interesting interviews and, and educators in the field. 
and by sending me a message. As I said, I'd be happy to hear from you. I would love to hear some ideas for future episodes. So enjoy the prospect of teaching. Your career is going to be bright and you'll know exactly how to handle the challenges that you might face. Bye-bye.